Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello and welcome back to All the Small Things with me, Venetia. This is the second voice note episode. If you're new to voice notes, please do listen back to the first voice note episode. We are going to be continuing some of the thoughts on having children and specifically your reflections on that episode in this voice note so if you haven't listened back to it please do and then come back to this one come back to me i'd be very grateful if you listen to both i also just want to say a huge thank you for receiving last week's episode so warmly and so kindly it's been a little bit overwhelming And I'm really looking forward to talking about some of your insights and reflections at the end of this episode. Let's catch up on the past week. Last Friday, I was in London and I was very excited to go to the Sojo pop-up, which is at the corner shop in Selfridges and it's open until the 10th of June. So this is a little pre-warning, it closes pretty soon. Sojo is a clothing and alterations app and they have a pop-up at the moment and you can take in any pieces that you might want tailored or altered. I took in two slip dresses, you know I love slip dresses, and one of them needed its straps shortening and the other needed a hem shortening, or I didn't need it, I just wanted to shorten the hem because it's floor length and I wanted to make it a bit more flirty and fun and make it knee length. And I also took in a pair of trousers for Max, which he has been trying to fix himself over the past few months. And his technique isn't that strong. I'm going to try, I'm trying to be kind here. He has an interesting technique um, when it comes to trying to patch something up. So we thought we would hand it over to the professionals. So whatever you need doing, maybe you want a waist taken out or in, or you want a button reattached or a zip fixed, they will be able to help you. And if you're interested to learn more about Sojo and hear about what it's like to build a sustainable slow fashion business, please do listen back to my interview with their founder and CEO, Josephine Phillips. I interviewed her on the last season of this podcast and it's a really uplifting and joyful episode because she is effervescent. So I will leave that in the description section of this episode. I went to my first festival of the summer over the weekend. I went to Gala Festival in South East London. It takes place on Peckham Rye and it is an independent three-day music festival. I just went along for, I'm going to say about five hours after I finished work and I had a great time. It holds a special place in my heart because it was the first festival that I went to post lockdown. So I went last year and listened to the most incredible DJ set from a DJ called Hooney, who plays house and techno. And 
I should say the house and techno has my heart. I'm a house and techno girl through and through. Because I have quite an anxious disposition, there's something about the repetitive beat of house and techno music that just calms my soul. I find it life-altering and I am happiest when dancing, listening to house and techno. Unfortunately, I did not have a ticket to Gala on the day that Hooney was playing, which was a real shame. I'm going to have to seek out Hooney at another festival or something this summer. But I did manage to see Amadou and Mariam, who are an incredible duo from Mali. They are great energy, great vibes, and that was really fun. Since last year's Gala Festival, I have made a promise to myself to never take dancing with my friends to great music for granted, ever. One of my favourite things about Gala Festival is that I can be home and in bed by 11. I'm not getting any younger and I can no longer go out till five or six in the morning like I did my early 20s. I like to be in bed before midnight. And I know Annie Mack, DJ, presenter, podcast, host of Changes, author, Irish badass, extraordinaire, legend, Annie Mack, has a night, which I really want to go to, where you can do just that. You can go and party and be in bed before 12. That is my dream. I like to go and listen to some great DJ sets, dance my little socks off, be in bed by 11 and wake up feeling fresh. A small moment that I've loved this week was while I was at Gala Festival. I noticed on a few occasions different women going up to other women that they didn't know saying, I love your outfit. You look amazing. This, this, women giving strangers compliments after they see someone wearing an incredible outfit, giving main character energy like folks do at festivals as they should. I love it. I could witness those moments all day and I feel incredibly hashtag blessed to have seen so many of those moments while I was at Gala for the five and a half hours that I was there. I have a TV show recommendation this week. It comes in the shape of Queer Eye. Now, the new season of Queer Eye, it's on its seventh series, is out on Netflix and has been popping up on my Netflix feed for a couple of weeks. And I didn't click on it. Why, you ask? Potentially because it's been running for seven seasons. And I think I had this idea in my head that I've seen it all before. Listen, I have seen a lot of it before because let's face it, The show is quite formulaic, but this season is so heartwarming. I am enjoying it so much. The Fab Five are in New Orleans or New Orleans. Because Max is from the East Coast, he says it's New Orleans. But he says if you're from the South, it's New Orleans. Anyway, you know what I mean. That's where they are. And each episode is utterly irresistible. There's something about this group of humans which just warms my cockles. It is feel-good telly at its absolute best. And if, like me, you are yet to click on it, please do. Please just click on it. It's heaven. I could watch Jonathan Van Ness all day. And I'm particularly enjoying watching Tan communicate the importance of dressing and fashion each week and how our clothes can help us feel confident and empowered 
and tell stories. There is a particular episode about someone who was in a car crash and is now in a wheelchair. And it is just so poignant hearing this young person talk about how it's been so life altering and they feel very shy because they feel like everyone's looking at them. And in this episode in particular, they talk about, Tan talks about, well, great, like give people a reason to look at you through your clothes. And he ends up just wearing the most incredible outfits. And it's just, it's really, really heartwarming. Watching this series, something that is abundantly clear is how expensive and costly it is. This is a very, very shiny show. It's very glossy. Its production value is high. And I was thinking to myself, how do they have so much money? Now, partly it's because it's Netflix, but it's also because there is quite a heavy piece of Amazon Prime sponsorship in one of the episodes, which is a little bit jarring and obviously, you know, quite disappointing because Amazon, you know, they're not great. We don't need to go into huge detail about them here, but they're not great. But then I thought if they need this sponsorship to fund this show, which is so important at, you know, showing a wide range of folks going through different life hurdles and experiences, then so be it. So be it. If it means we get more Jonathan Van Ness on our screens, fine. We'll let it go. But I do think it'd be really interesting to talk about paid brand collaborations and that topic more widely, perhaps in another voice note. And it it is jarring. If you see the episode, I think it's the one with the teacher, which is great. It's with a a headmistress in a school. And uh, yeah, it's in that episode. I think it's episode four, I want to say. And it is jarring. If you see it, it's jarring. But Maybe we'll discuss that in another episode. A podcast episode that I would love to recommend to you is a recent episode of Sentimental Garbage. This is a podcast hosted by Caroline O'Donoghue, who is an Irish author and podcaster, and it focuses on the culture we love that society can sometimes make us feel ashamed of. This episode on Spice World the movie is with Lauren Mayberry, who is the lead singer in a Scottish band called Churches. And it was really interesting to hear about Lauren's insights as someone who is a woman in the music industry. Anyway, Spice World the movie is a film that I watched on repeat in the 90s. Since listening to this episode, I have been seeking out this film all over the internet. I can't find it. I loved this film when it came out and this episode is such a fun listen. I highly recommend it. And if you're new to sentimental garbage in general, do have a scroll through the episodes because if you find an episode that is based on a piece of culture that you really enjoy, you will love it. Next up in this little compilation of small things I've enjoyed this week is an Instagram post from Willow Defobar. Willow is a former guest on All the Small Things. She is the editor-in-chief at one of my favourite environment publications, Atmos. And she shared some random life hacks in an Instagram post. And I'm going to read some of them to you because I really, really loved them. And I think you might too. Random life hacks. As much as possible, avoid doing two things at once. When you're walking outside, walk outside. When you're listening to someone, listen to them. 
have rituals, whether it's cooking for yourself on Sundays, going for a walk every day, dropping off your compost, whatever it is, do it regularly. Even rivers require structure in order to flow. Turn work notifications off your phone. Instead, be intentional about when you decide to check them. Learn the names of the people who work at your local coffee shop, dry cleaners, etc. Ask them how they are. Where we grow relationships, we grow meaning. Cleaning, cooking, laundry. These things might seem like chores, but they're also acts of self-care. They can nourish you too. Now that is just one page of glorious life hacks and I will put the post in the description notes of this episode because they're all wonderful. Recipe wise, I'm sorry to say that I am still banging the pesto drum this week. Pesto and I are entering into what was a summer fling and will now be a summer romance. I had some leftover pesto and I wanted to bulk it out and make it a bit more exciting. So to a blender, I added the leftover pesto with, and bear with me, some boiled broccoli stem. I promise it's more appetizing than it sounds. And this kind of helped bulk out the pesto. And to it, I added some nutritional yeast, which I finally bought. More salt, more lemon, more pepper, more basil, all that good stuff. And then I, and again, sorry to any traditionalists or Italians, I cracked up some pieces of lasagna sheets into boiling water, blasphemous. And then once they were nearly cooked, mixed them with the pesto, popped them in a shallow baking dish. Highly recommend shallow baking dish if you're someone who likes a crispy baked pasta. And then added some extra olive oil on the top for crispiness. Breadcrumbs would also work very well at this stage put it in the oven for 25 minutes and just had the most glorious, crispy pesto pasta bake. Recommend. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm going to spend the second part of today's episode reading through some listener response to last week's episode. Firstly, I just want to reiterate how grateful I am that you received the episode so warmly. And thank you if you messaged me. I really do feel as though a weight has been lifted from my shoulders since releasing that first voice note. And I've also been having some really great conversations with my friends. And it's been so helpful to have this open dialogue 
So if you're someone who is not sure if you want to start this conversation with your friends and family, I would really encourage you to do so. I think the best thing we can do is talk about it. And so far, my experience, although it has been difficult at times, I really feel like I'm breaking some new territory with my loved ones when I talk to them about this. So I would encourage you to do the same if you feel ready. Obviously, no pressure. Um, And in the meantime, hopefully some of the resources that I shared in last week's episode will help. I should also say that because this All The Small Things team is very, very small, it's just me and my editor, Nada, if you would like to have a message read out on the show, please do email it to atstpod at gmail.com. I'm afraid I won't be able to read out DMs and that kind of thing because it's just quite overwhelming for one person to kind of streamline so many messages. And I am also not great with DMs, but so far, so great with this email inbox. I should have said this last week, so please forgive me, but all of these emails will be 100% anonymous unless I'm told otherwise. I'm now going to share a small selection of the emails that I received and let's get into it. This first email reads as follows. I wanted to express how much I enjoyed your episode on the topic of deciding whether to have children or not. I also want to convey my understanding of the challenges associated with this decision. Personally, I am uncertain about wanting children, but I'm fairly certain that I do not. It can be a lonely experience grappling with these feelings and your words about the weight of uncertainty truly resonated with me. At 32 years old, I spent a significant amount of time over the past decade worrying and stressing about this matter, occasionally feeling envious of those in my life who possess unwavering clarity. Moreover, as you highlighted, people can be unkind when I express my doubts, and I have endured numerous disrespectful comments over the years. It can be particularly frustrating given that I invest a great deal in supporting my friends who have children. For instance, I'm flexible with meeting times and locations, accommodating their schedules, and I take a genuine interest in their children. I also offer support to my friends who have encountered challenges in conceiving. I happily engage in these acts of friendship, considering them to be normal. However, it saddens me when others do not reciprocate respect for my own life choices. In any case, I simply want to convey my appreciation for addressing such a challenging topic. It's reassuring to know that I'm not alone in wrestling with this decision. Firstly, I just want to say that I'm really sorry to hear that you've faced disrespectful comments over the years. Speaking personally, something that I try and do when I think about people who haven't been understanding when I've tried to talk to them about this, and perhaps they've said something that has upset me, is... I look at that person and I just think about the years of social conditioning that have been placed upon all of us to think about having children as something that we all should do in whatever way, whether that's biological or not. And so instead of feeling angry at the person and directing my anger at the person, I try and direct it at society and also patriarchy because obviously that ties into this. So I just try and redirect my anger. And then I try and hope that anyone who has said something to me that has been upsetting will hopefully change their mind and unlearn a lot of the societal and cultural conditioning that has led them to feel as though this is the only way. 
In terms of being flexible and working around your friend's schedules, like you say, I think that is a part of being a supportive friend. If you're feeling like they don't have any interest in your life or they might not respect it as much because you don't have children, I would really encourage you to open up that dialogue with them and say something. And you might be surprised by how they alter their behaviour towards you. I think parents have a lot on their plate and sometimes get very caught up in the parenting bubble. And I have had messages from people saying, you know, I'm a parent. I'm in very much a parenting sphere. I never hear this perspective. So I would encourage you to open up that dialogue. This next email is about someone who is having a hard time with their fertility. So if you're someone who is also going through that, you might want to fast forward about 30 seconds. My partner and I have been on a fertility journey for over seven years. We found out quite early in our relationship that conceiving was potentially going to be an uphill battle. In that seven years, I feel like I've personally gone through a physical, mental and emotional journey from feeling like a failure every month when everyone around us seemed to be popping them out with ease, throwing baby showers while navigating blood work and hormone levels to IVF and miscarriage, which led me to feeling like my identity was stripped and I was reduced to being childless. I hated the pity of others and in hindsight probably didn't give myself time to grieve as I wanted to prove there were other facets to my story. I decided to take this narrative into my own hands and set out to explore what a child-free life would look like. So many of the resources you mentioned brought me such comfort and helped me get to a place where I realised either life would be lovely lives. Having finished a long period of extended study and with my age increasing, I've just arrived at geriatric age in the medical world. We're having serious conversations about when or whether to try IVF again and trying to navigate savings to do so. My journal currently reads like it was written by two different people as my entries go from yes to no each week. This ambivalence, or maybe fear, is odd as being a parent is what I've, we've wanted for so long. It was actually a recent podcast that you did in the last series that helped me. I've always been mindful that as a privileged person in the global north, having a child means extra pressure on an already pressurised planet. Tessa Khan made the point about if only people having children are the people who don't give a sh- and those who worry about the planet aren't, then that's a problem. I found this really powerful. Maybe we'll give it a go again, and maybe if it works, we've decided we'll just have the one. Anyway, that's a long-winded way of saying thank you. Thank you for adding to this space. If we do have a child, I hope these conversations will be more mainstream and they can decide with less judgment and worry. Firstly, I just want to say that I'm so sorry that you've had to go through this and I'm sending you so much love. It's really wonderful to read that you feel content about however your life turns out. And I'm so proud of you, even though I don't know you, because I can only imagine how much work it took for you to get there. I do want to talk about Tessa's episode, so thank you for bringing that up, because in last week's voice note, I don't think I provided enough context when I mentioned it. So in that conversation with Tessa, we talk about how the argument that says the climate crisis is being caused by overpopulation is rooted in racism, eugenics and eco-fascism. It also ignores how our bodily autonomy has been and continues to be controlled by patriarchy. 
Tessa points out that if we are privileged people living in the global north, we do have a responsibility to think deeply about the decisions we make. But if the only people who are having children are folks who don't give a Nelly about the planet, then that's a problem. Tessa also points out that if we are privileged people living in the global north, then we do have a responsibility to think deeply about the decisions we make. And if the only people who are having children are folks who really don't care about the planet, then that is a problem. I think irrespective of whether or not we have children of our own, we all have a responsibility to educate children and the younger generation about how colonialism, racial capitalism and the fossil fuel industry are causing climate breakdown and how if we are privileged people living in the global north, the decisions we make do matter. And I think that responsibility is on parents and caregivers and anyone who has young people in their life. If you haven't listened to that episode, please do. I've linked it in the show notes. And I'm also going to link my episode on reproductive justice with Dr. Pragya Agarwal, because I think those episodes complement each other really well. I'm now going to read out an extract of an email that I was sent This email was so kind and considered and really thoughtful and it is a critical email but it's very much written by someone who is calling me in rather than calling me out and they've said lots of lovely things about the episode last week which I won't read out to you. I'm gonna read out to you the bits that were most critical because I really want to talk about them and I think it's really important for me to acknowledge this criticism which I think is valid. I wanted to point out some of the language used in the podcast that as someone who struggled with the question of whether or not to have children, I found quite tricky to listen to. It's the narrative around there's so much I still want to achieve, specifically when used as an argument against having children. And I have to admit, as a particularly work and goal orientated person myself, it's probably one of the cons I listed when considering the question of whether or not to embark on the journey. The narrative often raised through these conversations that associates achievement and success as something that can only be pursued outside of motherhood slash parenthood feels quite dated and damaging. I'm a researcher, lecturer and former literary agent. I loved my life of writing and researching before having children. And yes, this has become significantly more difficult now that I have children. It's one aspect of new motherhood that I still really struggle with, but I'm working on it. And I have to consistently remember that being a mother doesn't mean that I have to stop thinking of myself as someone with lots left to achieve professionally and creatively. I'm the last person to scream, we can have it all from the rooftops, as I know this can be as damaging a narrative as any other. Entering parenthood is bloody hard and complicated, and some things get lost or changed or broken in the process. But it's even harder when professional or creative bleakness is now more frequently, and sometimes indiscriminately, used as an argument against parenthood. Being a caregiver doesn't mean that those aspects of your life inevitably have to be forgotten and or left behind. As a new mother, I still orient myself around the question of having children almost every day. I feel so happy and grateful to have had my children, but I grapple with the complexities of what this means for my identity on a regular and exhausting basis. 
I truly hope that the language around success and having so much left to achieve can continue to evolve and embolden rather than negate the choice and indeed sometimes lack of choice involved in leading either a child-free or parenting life. I think this email adds such vital nuance and I'm really, really grateful for it. I particularly found the bit about the question of having children being something that is ongoing even when you've had children yourself. And I definitely don't want to add to the narrative that you can only fulfill your professional and creative goals if you are child-free. That's definitely not my intention. And I have so many people in my life who prove otherwise, but I think it is a really complicated and nuanced topic. And overall, I'm just so grateful for this email and I really hope it resonated with some of you as well. This final email that I'm about to read is so brilliant and I'm really, really excited to read it. So here it goes. Dear Venetia, I assume this email will be one of many offering gratitude for your vulnerability and for your contribution to this neglected topic of conversation. I'm 37, married and happily, decidedly, delightfully child-free by choice. I'm not a big podcast listener, but I ran to this one as I'm dying for more of this dialogue. Since we're strangers, I'll spare you the trauma stories, but wanted to share a few takeaways that really helped me in case they help you. One, the day I was able to release myself from decision paralysis was the day I realized that I had the power to make either decision the right decision. My daily effort to retroactively make child-free the right choice means I'm more mindful and purposeful in the routes I choose every day. I'm 99% free of regret and I'm endlessly finding reasons to be proud, relieved and grateful. Two, my husband and I both work in the climate space and we find great value in the unloaded mindset we're able to bring to our work. Tricky ones put words to, but perhaps you understand. Three, rather than feeling othered from my parent friends, my friendships have gone to new and amazing places. I've become a non-judgmental confidant to my friends in their most vulnerable moments when they don't want to share with other parents for fear of comparison. I can drop everything to support a friend in need, no planning necessary, and I have found opportunities to be unofficial auntie several times over forming one-to-one meaningful friendships with many brilliant little ones. These are just a few ways I'm seeding love. That's more than enough legacy for me. I have little goosebumps all over my arms. I could not love this email more. I'm so grateful. Thank you so, so much for sending it. On that high note, I'm going to end this episode here. Thank you so much for listening and thank you again for your messages of encouragement. I'm really sorry we can't feature them all, but I just want you to know that they are really appreciated and I'm so grateful to have such a thoughtful community of listeners. If you're new to the show, please do subscribe. I will be back next week with another voice note. And if you'd like to get in touch, you can email us at atstpod at gmail.com. Have a wonderful day and I'll see you soon. Bye-bye.
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs> 